Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting today from Agreco Studios. Agreco, powering the Permian. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto being joined by my co-host, David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. We have a great show lined up for you today. We're going to be joined by Tom Tamarkin, who is the president of Climate Site, and our discussion will be climate change. But first, before we bring on Tom, I'd like to tell you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine. If you haven't picked up an issue or read the latest issue, you can read it for free by simply going to shellmag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. This issue, we featured the Biden administration and what it means for the energy sector with all of the executive orders coming down and how the energy industry is going to deal with a heavily regulated administration. uh, Definitely an interesting article, of course, written by my co-host, David Blackman. There's also a lot of other wonderful, insightful articles pertaining to oil and gas. So definitely go and read all about what the Biden administration plans for the energy sector at shale, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. Also, I'd like to tell you about a few upcoming mixers from TEEK, Texas Energy Advocates Coalition, and their efforts to increase awareness for oil and gas and advocate on behalf of oil and gas. They have an upcoming mixer on June 25th in Midland, Texas, and we, they also have another mixer coming up in Houston, Texas at the Sam Houston Raceway. Definitely want to get your tickets now. That will be a sold out event. For more information, go to shalemag.com and click on the banner ad to take you to purchase tickets or sponsor this event. And now it's time to bring on my co-host and editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome to this week's show, and it is a great day here in Texas. Every day is a beautiful day if you live in Texas, Kim. Exactly. And if you don't, you should get here as fast as you can because you don't know (laughs) what you're missing. Let's jump into our segment on oil and gas. We had a meeting, OPEC Plus. They met and we're already starting to see markets change. Tell us a little bit about what was uh, said in the OPEC meeting or what was decided in the OPEC Plus meeting. Yeah. uh, So, yes, they had their monthly meeting. They used to do quarterly meetings, but now they're doing them every month. And uh, the good news out of the meeting was that uh, not much changed. They uh, basically agreed to continue uh, their previously agreed to uh, program of of reductions of their own production and exports for the coming month. And most likely through the end of this year, although they haven't formally agreed to that. Um, And yes, they they, uh, just basically held the status quo. They plan to steadily increase the amount of oil they're putting onto the market over the next several months as demand for for oil continues to recover globally as it is continuing to do Mm -hmm. and so that yes as you said that was a very positive uh, sign for the market and the markets uh, responded positively to it is there any reason why they went from a quarterly to a monthly is it i think it's yeah i I do i think it's basically was a uh, outcome of the pandemic, you know, and all the fallout of last year, uh, you know, when demand dropped by 15% for a couple of months, and then has been on this steady recovery, 
uh, they felt that it was just more important for them to communicate more frequently and be able to revise their, their production schedules, their quotas more frequently. And so instead of doing it, uh, and really the first year, they only met twice that first year and, and revised every six months. And then they went to a quarterly schedule and now they're doing monthly meetings. And uh, uh, it's hard to believe they'll do them any more frequently than that uh, at any point in time, but you never know with these folks. So we've definitely, with Biden administration, moved into, it's always been a global market. You know, I think we all understand that, but it's definitely been a, a, a change. And it has shifted, once again, oil prices. So let's talk about oil prices. As a result of OPEC Plus meeting, energy prices have increased a little bit. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes, we had a, a nice recovery in, in crude prices this week, really, uh, about 4% for the week. And that's a very strong week, you know, for, for oil prices. And, and I think it's just a, you know, we, we had a, a fallback in prices early in April, and then it's been kind of up and down since then. But over the past really 10 to 12 days, it's been a steady increase in oil prices, just a resumption of what we saw throughout the first quarter. And that frankly, I could expect will continue uh, as long as the OPEC plus agreement holds together. I really do expect we'll continue to see a gradual increase in crude oil prices for the rest of this year. I really expect to see, um, you know, West Texas intermediate price, which is at $64 as we're, we're speaking today, oh, well. end up really between 70 and $75 per barrel by the end of this year. And that's an extraordinarily healthy price for crude oil historically and really even in the context of the last decade. So that's a very strong indicator for this industry. It will facilitate, you know, more rigs becoming activated before the end of this year and more hiring in the industry. And that's, that's just really good news for everyone. Yeah. Jobs, you know, coming back. Let's, let's switch gears and talk about Jennifer Grant Hope. For those who don't know who she is, she's the former governor of Michigan currently now the energy secretary. Yes. Let's talk about her comments on uh, how she looks at the future of the energy business. <laughs> Tell yes, me well, she, she doesn't share my vision for the future of this industry, obviously. Or mine, but right. Yeah. I'm sure that AOC totally agrees with Jennifer Grant Holmes' uh, comments, but tell our tell us <laughs> what was said about the future of the energy business as a whole, the industry. Yeah, she, she uh, Secretary Granholm held a uh, Zoom conference call uh, with some energy executives this week in which she advised uh, energy companies, oil and gas companies, that they were, in order to survive, going to have to diversify in, in the you know coming few years and become, I guess, what she expects is that uh, your local independent producer will suddenly start operating wind farms or building solar panels or buying them from China, which is where they're all made, um, which is not going to happen. And everyone knows it's not going to happen. Who knows anything about the oil and gas industry? Unfortunately, Secretary Granholm doesn't really know much about the oil and gas industry or its history of surviving through innovation, not through diversification. Um, Oil and gas companies, other than- a good phrase, David, right there. Innovation versus- Yes, uh, innovation is, is the key and always has been the key uh, for the future of the oil and gas industry for 171 years. Mm -hmm. It is, oil and gas companies have been oil and gas companies for 171 years 
since 1849 when the first successful well was drilled in here. And, and that's go not going to change into the future other than for companies like BP and Shell and to a lesser extent, uh, ExxonMobil and Chevron who you know, feel the pressures of the international community and particularly BP and Shell from the European Union uh, and so they've made their announcements that they are going to de-emphasize oil and gas and focus more on getting into renewable energy, uh, which is fine for companies like that. They're already diversified. They're already in, you know. They're they drilling already, everywhere on the planet. So Right. And they're fully integrated. They operate, you know, they drill wells, they have pipelines, they have refineries, yeah. they, they export, you know, their own stuff. And so on and on and on. So they're already diverse and incredibly huge. But for your independent producers, they're not going to become, they're not going to start operating wind farms. They're going to continue to produce oil and gas to meet global demand for those products. And so their key to their future is going to be innovation through technology mainly and adaptation of cutting edge technologies that allow them to clean up their emissions you know, become net zero producers of carbon emissions, just as the big companies are doing. And that's all coming about as we continue to talk. And Kim, you and I uh, continue to talk to people, CEOs of companies who are providing these kinds of technologies. And so that's the future of oil and gas, not becoming solar operators or whatever Jennifer Granholm thinks they ought to do. Well, it's not only that. I mean, I think it also comes back to you know, we saw the, the big snow gate that happened here and how um, relying strictly on solar and wind is not a good idea. No. And technology that can uh, work in, in harsh weather conditions. To, it has to be the right weather conditions for them to even operate. You know, what I saw a, a comment from, from a representative of the, the wind industry here in Texas uh, told uh, a, a legislative hearing that wind performed as according to expectations during the big freeze event, okay? Just admitted that and said, and was actually proud of that fact, okay? Well, so everyone so who was without power for three days a week, some went yeah. as far as 10 days. Um, so that's how your solar and wind are expected to operate. And you're yes, gonna- they're say, useless in an emergency. There you go. And what happened to oil and gas? Um, well, the natural gas would have kept everything pretty much going for a lot of people had they not shut that off, correct? Um, right. And I that mean, was the, most of the natural gas issues were because ERCOT shut off the power to natural gas facilities, which is insane. Right. And that caused the freezing of the pipes. And of course, it, it led into this train wreck, but it wasn't because natural gas let everyone down. I want to be clear on that. It was they were shut off, which led into another problem. But had they left those on, more people would have had power a lot more. And, um, you know, I just look at them like, you know, we, we really don't understand what it means to be so dependent on energy. But if you were one that lived in an apartment and you have an electric stove and everything is electric, you froze, you were cold. If you had a fireplace, um, if you had a natural gas fireplace, if you had a natural gas stove with fire, you were able to be a little bit more comfortable, even though you might not have had lights on. And that's kind of the difference, right, of, of, you know, what we could have experienced had they left on the natural gas. Exactly. Versus relying solely on wind and solar. 
a learning a lesson that we learned. I'm going to close with this real quick. Do you think we're going to get anything past uh, this legislative session pertaining to the overall weatherization that's needed in this state so we never have yes. to again? I, I do think that's the one thing the legislature will do. I think they Thank will require goodness. some weatherization. So when we return, we will be joined by Tom Tamarkin, who is the president of Climate Site. Our discussion talking about is climate change. You don't want to miss this. You're listening to an oil patch radio show and we'll be right back. Remember this name, oil field experts to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil field experts specialty is those hard to find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs. And we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. Now it's time to welcome on our guest, Tom Tamarkin, who is with Energy Sight. Tom, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Okay, very good to be with you, Kim, and thank you for inviting me. Well, today is going to be an important topic. We're going to talk about climate change. So before we get started with this very difficult conversation uh, and a good understanding of what's really happening, I'd like to open up by asking you to tell our audience and us a little bit more about you and what makes you an expert in this field. I have uh, been studying the climate uh, for about 15 years. And over the course of the last 10 years, I've concentrated almost specifically on the specific issue. And by studying climate, that means reading everything that I can about the subject, and of course, looking at lectures by all of the famous uh, PhDs, et cetera, in this field. Uh, my background uh, academically um, in college, um, I minored in math and in chemistry and have a physics major. So I'm very prepared to understand the details. And having said that, I really have to say that the preponderance of the issues surrounding climate change really surround physics and chemistry. Um, and that's a very important concept. It's really a matter of physics. Okay, and which is, is your specialty field and your degree. So now that we've gotten that established that you're a really good person to talk on the topic, I think we start hammering away. David, you want to start opening up with the first? <laughs> what sure, sure, absolutely, Tom. Tom, thank you so much for joining us. This will this will be a great discussion, I'm sure. I uh, I have just from my personal standpoint sat back over the last two weeks and watched as our national news media organizes yet another major focus coordinated campaign to frighten everyone about climate change. They're going to call it the climate emergency now rather than climate change, and that, that's going to be per pervasive throughout our media and politics for the next I don't know how many years. So I guess let's start with climate change. Uh, you know, with all this discussion around it, in your view, does climate change really exist? Well, climate change does exist, but we have to understand the fact 
that the Earth is over four and a half billion years old. And by way of example, the Grand Canyon gives us a great snapshot of about 10% of that geological record. So if we think about that, modern man is trying to use a 50 to 100 year time frame to show, if not prove, that man-made climate change exists. But the fact of the matter is that's only 0.00001% of the age of the Earth. How many zeros was that? Five. Five, five zeros, okay. Five Sorry. zeros in front of the one, uh, or six if you use five. But in any <laughs> geological samples show that the Earth has been much warmer and much colder in the past. And our current CO2 level is actually very low uh, compared to many times in the past. We can prove that the climate does change due to natural variations in solar and planetary motions coupled with the almost 24 degree tilt of the Earth on its axis, its obliquity, the elliptical orbit around the sun, and the precession of the Earth over very long periods of time. I want to talk about this radiated green gas theory too, but before we move on to it, so David, you mentioned earlier that we've got the media coming out with a, another new campaign on this is a crisis now occurring. And I know we've had many discussions on the show about how this discussion, and I call it rhetoric as well, has is leading to a, a real problem with our with parents not being able to really speak to their children on this topic because obviously it's a very complicated topic. And, and it's also scaring our children to the point where we're seeing upticks in suicides and things. So you know, my question for you guys is how much do you think this is gonna to continue to spiral out of control until you know somebody, I guess the average American person starts understanding that uh, you know, it's in constant flux. So uh, you know, we shouldn't really be talking to this degree because it may or may not be as true as they're saying. And I guess I just, it's not really a, a, a question I was asking anyone, it's more of just my opinion that it, we're gonna have another spike probably in these children and their suicide rates because you know it's a difficult topic. However, I'm gonna do one shameless plug for us, which uh, one of our writers, uh, Melissa Nichols, has wrote a book for about an eight to a 12 year old for parents to read to their children to help them understand climate change. And all you have to do is go to shellmag.com or look for it on Amazon. But I do encourage uh, our listeners who might be struggling with that topic uh, to go and look at the book and it kind of breaks it down. We're gonna go to break. When we come back from break, I wanna get on the topic of, uh, you know, what's actually causing, you've explained all the dynamics, what is this radiated green gas, the greenhouse gas theory, we'll break that down. You're listening to an old patch radio show and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Kim Bilotto, wanting to talk to you about how to age gracefully. As a woman, my appearance is important to me. It makes me feel good about myself when I feel I'm taking care of myself. And I have been visiting a woman for many years who has helped me with my wrinkles, my skin's elasticity. And you know, a lot of people think it's really just involving women, but it's not. Many, many men also seek treatments as they see the aging process occurring. I visit Cynthia, my friend of many years, who is a master injector for San Antonio Cosmetic Surgery. I feel 
very comfortable going to her and allowing her to just do her work on me. Pick up the phone, call Cynthia, make an appointment and see what she can do for you because it has taken years off of me. So if you want a free consultation with Cynthia, give them a call at 210-641-4320. Again, the number is 210-614-4320. Or you can visit their website at sanantoniocosmeticsurgery.net. Be sure to tell them that Kim within the Oil Patch Radio Show sent you. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com slash business profile. Start dealing with a company you can trust and always find. And we're back. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Tom Tamarkin, the president of Energy Sight. Tom, before the break, this show is really going to be geared at having a, a, a true discussion on what is climate change and trying to break it down for the average person to really understand what is going on. Let's talk about this uh, radiated green gas Greenhouse gas theory, what is it? You know, is this the problem with climate change? Yes, but I would like to pick up perhaps at the end of the conversation on your concept of children and the suicide rate and some of those other issues that are very important. But let's continue, if you will. Um, As I said earlier, many uh, natural events occur that create changes in the climate. Uh, Things like volcanic eruptions, meteor strikes, atmospheric oscillations such as El Nino and La Nina, they all create temporary conditions in the climate, if you will, but really they're more, they should be termed weather changes, not climate. So we cannot really prove that greenhouse gases trapping heat cause measurable amounts of warmth on the earth. All of these uh, climate change predictions that you hear about in the media And certainly we've heard about uh, quite recently, I think on Earth Day, President Biden delivered a major speech, delivered around the world with other people. But these these theories are all unproven theories based on computer models. And going back all the way to 1988 in the first hearings by Congress, uh, every prediction made has been proven false. Very important point. Now you asked about the radiated greenhouse gas theory. Uh, The infrared radiated gas theory is really based on the absorption of infrared radiation, which is a fancy term for heat, which is reflected back from the earth by these greenhouse gases, such as water vapor, carbon dioxide, and methane gas. Methane gas, of course, in Texas, you hear about it coming from cows. The fact of the matter is 
Methane is such a small uh, greenhouse gas that we shouldn't even be talking about it. Um, in the mid-1800s, my great-grandfather, Sir Thomas Eathorpe, along with Henry Roscoe in the UK, they made the first accurate calculations of just how much CO2 there is in the atmosphere. And later that century, a gentleman named Savant Arrhenus and another gentleman named John Tendall uh, and a few others proposed that these uh, greenhouse gases actually trap heat in the air. In the early 20th century, Max Planck developed a modern understanding of quantum mechanics and Carl Schwarzschild applied this understanding to greenhouse gases. And together they showed us just how these gases behave and why. They do in fact absorb the heat, the infrared radiation, but they dissipate it very quickly. In fact, in 10,000 billionths of a second, a lot of zeros, uh, that's called a femtosecond in physics or one to the minus 15, 15 zeros. And they transfer that energy to surrounding molecules, mostly nitrogen and oxygen. Then that energy is radiated out with what we call a three-dimensional stradial pulse. Most of the energy passes to outer space and either directly or through uh, convection. No corresponding increase in temperature can be measured, and that's an important point, can be measured on yeah. the Earth. Any increase in temperature in the atmosphere, the majority gases being nitrogen and oxygen, uh, they also rise to space due to what we call the pseudo-adiabatic expansion and convection. So bottom, so line, bottom cool. line, no measurable amount of warmth is actually transferred to the Earth. You feel the temperature of a rock, it's not warmer than that rock, rock was you know, five years ago at the same point in time. So that's that's so fascinating to me. We can't measure this, uh, and yet the entire climate change theory is based on this, correct? And and their computer models that create all the alarm out in the public are based on this theory, correct? Yes. So. so <laughs> No one able to We're all like, okay, look, guys, let's go, to, let's go to break. We're going to come back and hit this topic again, because I want to talk about also President Biden addressed summit. And uh, there was a lot of doom and gloom there, too. You're listening to in the Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. Psst. Hey, you. Do you want to join the fastest growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business. So you've got my attention. What is it? TEAK is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free. No charge to join. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash TEAK and click on the join link. Enter your information and we'll get you set up. Join the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition at shalemag.com slash teak today. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is a very important guest. His name is Tom Tamarkin. He actually is the president of Energy Site. 
Tom, before the break, we were talking about climate change and these greenhouse gases that everyone talks about. David, uh, I know you have a question here. Jump on in here, buddy. Well, yeah, as, as we were closing the last segment, Tom, you were talking about the fact that supposed warming of the earth, change in the climate, and, and the impacts from man-made CO2, our instruments are, even in this advanced day in the 21st century, are, are unable to actually measure any actual heating of the earth um, from this theory. And, you know, on, on Earth Day this year, President Biden hosted a video summit, I guess it was, with over 600 participants globally, uh, at which they all chimed in, world leaders from around the world, including China, which isn't doing anything really to curb their emissions, mm -hmm. um, participated in this and, and you know, talked about uh, all the, the things they're doing or not doing to address climate change. And I wanted to give you a chance to talk about that right now. Okay, but there is one important point I want to finish up regarding the, the, how we have measured or have been unable to measure climate change. Sure. And again, I have, to, I have to repeat this. Nobody has been able to empirically measure and prove any temperature increases on the earth due to these greenhouse gases. What the greenhouse gases do is that they can delay cooling. Without these greenhouse gases, at nighttime, as an example, we would get down to 100 degrees below right. zero in the morning but they don't create measurable increases in temperature on the, on the earth. So that's a very important point. Now, regarding President Biden and the current administration and other administrations around the world, um, I would go so far as to say that President Biden's level of understanding of science is probably in the eighth grade to 12th grade area, if that. And given his advanced age, he's probably forgotten most of his early uh, <laughs> science. Uh, he's certainly not a science major in school. So he is being spoon fed what other people want him to believe and really need to follow the trail of the money. Because this is about a two and a half trillion dollar a year boondoggle with regard to the renewable energy. And that really is what's driving the climate. Now, that kind of fell into the trap, if you will, of the IPCC and the various conferences on climate. But once again, it's being driven by the economies. And we have to also bring into play carbon taxes. Uh, governments around the world are raising a great deal of money by exercising these carbon taxes. The fact that they have no value and that they don't really do anything for mankind except hurt it, uh, they simply don't understand. But it's an economic issue, not a scientific issue. Another buzzword, Tom, is carbon dioxide. And a lot of scientists, certainly the media, many politicians, say that this you know, perceived climate change comes from specifically fossil fuels and that they admit this carbon dioxide. Tell me, is that your opinion too? Are they correct on this? Oh, absolutely not. And in fact, carbon dioxide is a greenhouse gas. We all agree on that. But it's a trace amount one. By trace amount one, I mean that it really accounts for only 0.04% of all gases in the atmosphere. And it only accounts for 4% of all the greenhouse gases. Uh, water vapor by far is the largest greenhouse gas. Yeah. Water of course, being clouds and evaporation from, from the ocean. Yeah. 
but we really shouldn't focus on carbon dioxide per se. We need to focus on man-made carbon dioxide coming from, as you said, fossil fuels, because that's the premise of the whole uh, man-made climate change argument, if you will. So contrary to popular belief, and really that by many scientists, the anthropogenic percentage of carbon dioxide is so low in comparison to the total amount of CO2 in the atmosphere, we simply can't measure it. It's unmeasurable. Now, we have to note over the course of the last uh, year, uh, worldwide across all energy sectors, uh, we've dropped the use of fossil fuels by about 30% because of COVID-19. Right. But during this major decrease in man-made carbon dioxide generation, uh, it simply has not been measured by the standard reporting uh, graphs and curves. And we actually have on our website, which is climate site, spelled climatecite.com, a section on our position of CO2. And in the first three paragraphs, we actually go through uh, the dynamics of what I just said. Understanding, of course, that over the last 30 years, worldwide, we've increased energy use, uh, fossil fuel use in bits and spats here and there. But the increase in carbon dioxide simply does not track that. Uh, Dr. Murray Salvi confirms this and explains the details in a lecture on our website. And Dr. Jamal Munshi, who is a well-known leading statistician, uh, he shows us that the likelihood of carbon dioxide increases affecting the temperature of the Earth is about as likely as one of you two spotting a UFO at the end of this show. But having said that, the Earth has gotten much greener over the last 30 years because the levels have increased and that does a number of good things like providing increased crop yields and definitely it's a good thing for livestock production uh co2 is a good thing to have more of not less well it's plant food i mean it's the basis the entire basis for life on planet earth correct all life forms on earth are carbon based yeah this is, you know, it seems like we're getting ready to go to break, guys, and we come back, I want to get back on this topic, but it just seems like to me, we talked about this as a $2 trillion, are we marching to the globalist expansion? Uh, I don't know, but it's shocking to me to see that all these countries are participating in this discussion on that we have this crisis, and yet, you you know, we're, we're, we're discussing that there is just no scientific model. So to the listeners who are saying, but, the, but that can't be so because there's all these scientists that say this and uh, our government is saying this and other governments all over the world are saying this. Um, how can they all be saying this when it's not accurate and true? So when we come back from break, I do want to kind of pick up that topic. What, what is the, the game plan here for, for us and why are they uh, saying these things? And why are our scientists not coming out against it? Why are there a lot of scientists that are lining up for it? We gotta take a quick break. You're listening to and the Wolf Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators, as well as battery power solutions. 
Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. Remember this name, Oilfield Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oilfield equipment needs. Oilfield Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oilfield parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oilfield Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. And we're back. You're listening to an Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Tom Tamarkin, president of Energy Site. We're discussing climate change. Is it real? David, uh, you know, you and I, we've had a lot of discussions on climate change and what's behind the position of a lot of different political uh, elected officials, if you will. But Tom, you know, we, we've seen President Biden take a much stronger stance on climate change. And, uh, and David, you mentioned earlier that there's a lot of media hype on now we're going into an emergency climate change, which is troubling. In your opinion, why are we, I know you talked about this $2 trillion, but it seems crazy to think that the whole entire world is in on this. Um, and scientists are not coming forward and saying we have no models that can prove this or, or, or disprove this. Where is this going? Uh, because if this is a worldwide PR campaign, it, 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 it appears. Um, I should point out the fact that recently in Shale Magazine, um, there's a major article, a feature, feature article, if you will, on climate change that okay. I wrote, actually. And there's an extended interview of probably an hour and 15 minutes that's included in that article. And it goes into a lot of these details that might just be beyond the scope of, of this conversation today. But in direct answer to your question, there are many scientists around the world, indeed here in the US, that know that the probability of man creating this change in climate, as Dr. Munchie said, it's about as likely as spotting a UFO. However, uh, these are not the scientists that are currently being paid by the government or through universities to get subsidies and gifts from uh, philanthropists and, and from uh, other ties to, to the government. In other words, um, it's, it's the wrong group of people that currently have the media and the ability to speak out. But let's get back, if we can, to your question about carbon dioxide. And I think someone, David, asked me specifically, uh, he commented about my, about my comment about the majority of carbon dioxide not coming from mankind. Right. So where does this carbon dioxide come from? Well, it actually comes from two primary sources, animals and volcanic eruptions animals being by far the larger of those two sources. All animals, as we said a minute ago, are carbon-based, and even fish in the ocean produce carbon dioxide. Even bacteria on land produces carbon dioxide. So that leads into the obvious question Kim alluded to, 
which is why have we seen a steady rise of carbon dioxide recorded after the last, over the last 50 years. And as I said earlier, various CO2 monitoring stations simply don't have the sensitivity that they do not have the ability to determine where that carbon dioxide comes from if it's from man. The primary reason that we've seen uh, measurable increases in the total amount of carbon dioxide relates to the fact that uh, we've been coming out of the little ice age over the last hundred years. And coming out of that ice age has, of course, caused the oceans to warm up by a couple of degrees. You really need to understand, people need to understand the fact that the ocean contains roughly 50 to 60 times more dissolved carbon dioxide than the atmosphere. And this ratio is called the partition ratio, and it's the function of something called Henry's Law. And as the temperature of the oceans increase, more carbon dioxide is liberated or, re or released by the oceans as a function of Henry's law and its temperature coefficient. It's a fundamental law, it's not a theory. As water body temperatures go up, the amount of liberated CO2 levels go up. Now, regarding uh, how much of this anthropogenic or man-made climate change uh, notion can be put to rest. Um, I think that's a, a, a very good topic that we should uh, address here momentarily. But just a quick question. Um, if the majority of the additional CO2 is being released by the oceans, what is the utility of all these policies in the Green New Deal um, that would have us stop driving automobiles, have us stop flying in airplanes, and, and instead uh, go around the country on trains. Uh, how is that really addressing anything real? Is it, I mean, is it addressing okay. anything real that's a, actually a problem? The simple answer is no, none, yeah. no effect whatsoever. It has a negative effect. Uh, part of it is a um, wish, if you will, of many governments worldwide to, com to comprise, to form, to force a unified world government, perhaps under the UN control. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to limit energy. That's sure. probably a big, a big part, a big key to the problem. But I don't think that any politicians, certainly our administration as a prime example, really understand all of the ramifications. They simply don't understand the science involved and they don't understand where energy comes from. It almost appears that they don't also even care to find out. It's just uh, the, everybody's mind has been made up and yet, you know, if, I'm gonna change the gears just a little bit, but David, remind me of how many coal power plants China is bringing on and is China and coal plants hurting the planet? Well, how many how many are they bringing on, David? Or Tom, well, I don't know what what their current rate is. For a long time, they were bringing on a new one every week, um, and India is too. India is building them at a very no rapid pace. Eighty percent. I know. I saw a statistic. I think it was from the IPCC actually, that eighty percent of all the man-made the increase in man-made carbon contributions over the last decade has come from China and India. Tom, does that square with the information you have? Well, no, that's exactly right. I've been to, I've been to China 12 times and yeah. I've been in business as well. And so I can testify firsthand 
uh, as to how many coal plants have gone online in China over that period of time. And I can tell you that the pollution, the dirty air in China is very bad. Yeah. Uh, all the carbon because they don't filter the air as we do here in the United States with our particulate removal with electrostatic precipitators and the like. But the fact of the matter is getting back to the uh, Paris-China Accords, uh, China and India are, burst, are basically let off the hook in terms of having to meet any additional new standards. Yet, an important point, the majority of the solar panels that are shipped and wind generation equipment that is shipped uh, in this two trillion, two and a half trillion dollar a year boondoggle, the green energy scheme, if not scam, comes from China. China is probably governing, governing uh, the U.S. and our policy position to drastically weaken the United States and weaken our national security uh, so that they can become the preeminent uh, power of the world. That, that, that's my personal opinion. Well, we're going to end this segment with a bang because that's all the time we have for this show. Tom, I'd like to thank you for coming on to the show. Um, and we look forward to having you back. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.